Welcome to the Two Top Podcast, the weekly podcast where we go over different topics in the world. I'm your host, Thomas Lance, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Berg. How's it going? You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Make sure to follow us on Twitter to stay updated on the latest episodes. Now let's dive right into this week's episode of Two Top. And we're back. We're podcasting. Matt, you ready to podcast? I'm ready to podcast. We were discussing, is podcast a, a verb? Like, to podcast? To podcast. Like, yeah, I podcast. I podcast too. Yeah, you podcast? Today, we're going to podcast. Yeah, let's podcast. Let's go. Matt, today my topic is something that I passed on on the way here. I was at today at lunch, and it's growing in the United States. Food courts. <laughs> trucks. Food Food trucks. Tru- I knew it was something food. I knew it had to be. I had lunch at my favorite food truck today, and I was thinking of a topic, and I was like, I should do food trucks. That's an excellent topic. And what I found out is food trucks are such an American thing. Is it really? Started in, like, it's hard to think of, huh, what was, what's an American thing? Like, true born and raised American. Food trucks are born and raised American thing. Wow. Uh, let's talk about the history of food trucks. Food trucks have, the food truck started with the chuck wagon in the 1800s. Now, what would happen? 1800s, you know, the big, let's all go west. And there was a lot of cattle farmers, cattle raisers. They would move their cattle. And these guys would normally tag along in their chuck wagons. And in these wagons, it would be a horse-drawn carriage. And then in the back, there would be pots, pans, food. And this guy would grill up food for the cattle handlers. And that was, like, in a sense, the first food truck. Food chuck. The food chuck of the chuck wagon. But, you know, we eventually, we got to move on. Bring it to the cities instead of the open range. Modern times. So back in the good old state of Texas in 18, where's the date? In, I think it was 1888, uh, the first food truck was started by Charles Goodnight, a cattle rancher who filled a United States Army wagon and filled it with shelving and food and pots and pans and essentially was the chuck wagon of Texas. So a rolling general store kind of. Pretty much. The concept. In the back was also a barrel of water and a satchel of wood that the food could be cooked fresh, just like our modern day food trucks. And you know, since its conception then, food trucks have been rising. And recently, food trucks have been rising even more exponentially. And let me give you some reasons why. So the reason food trucks have been gaining more popularity than brand new restaurants is it's a cheap startup. The price of starting up a restaurant averages around $250,000 to start a restaurant from scratch, where starting a food truck is about $75,000 to start from scratch, which is way cheaper. So these entrepreneurial chefs who want to start their own restaurant figure starting their own food truck is the way to go because it's a less cost. You can kind of control your customer base by going to the customer itself, and it's just Better for someone starting out because you, if there's no traffic where you are, you move to the traffic. Now, what is great about food trucks is since they're a growing modern age thing, food trucks actually have been growing a lot because of social media. Food trucks are all over the internet, like Twitter, Facebook, saying, hey, our loyal fans come to Jimmy's Steaks. We're on the corner of 13th and uh, uh, Green. And um, 
they tweeted out and I saw a metric out of in every food truck in the US send out like a billion tweets a month combined. A billion. A billion a tweets. B. Given their location, saying where they are, hyping up this food truck. And what's great about food trucks is it's like a favorite restaurant. It's like a quick place to grab a bite, like a Wawa or, well, a great place to grab a cheap bite, like a Wawa, 7-Eleven, a convenience store for good food. For quality, yeah, cooked food, not yes. just pre-prepared food. It's cooked right there at the spot. So what do you think the number one theme of these food trucks are? Like Mexican, Chinese, Korean, barbecue? Well, do the, the food carts count? As your food truck, also, would you consider that a food truck? I'm counting a food or like a mobile food vending station, like the hot dog stands. Yeah, there's like no. hot dog stands and then halal carts and all those. I'm I'm talking like you mean actual trucks, like four wheels with an engine in the front. Okay, serving sweet mm. sweet stuff in the back. I want to say, just from my experience living in the city, probably is it a Mexican truck. It's actually the first most popular across the U.S. is burgers. Burgers. Burger trucks. Ah. Gourmet burger trucks. So a true American food truck holding an American favorite. Exactly. Number two, then comes Mexican. Okay. Number three is actually desserts. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. Dessert food carts, you know, grab a cupcake, grab some tasty pastries. Crepes. Oh, crepe food trucks. And normally so they're good. gourmet desserts too. Yes. It's no like, here's an ice cream on a regular cone it's here's a godiva chocolate bar wrapped in something 24 karat gold flake fried with oreos on the side yeah fried with oreos so that's a little bit about food trucks but i want to talk about just how amazing food trucks are so if you think about if you think about food trucks it's such a system like you know if you go to like the cheesecake factory i know it's a pretty exaggerated example they have a book as their menu. What food trucks try to do is, look, we're on the road, we're mobile, we try to keep as many things similar. So they'll only sometimes have like 10 things on their menu or like even less, but those are the best things they can make. So they may have just like three different types of burgers, but they'll perfect each type of those burgers. Like I was doing research on some food trucks and there was this one seafood food truck which they sold three things. They sold salmon cakes, crab cakes, and lobster rolls. Nothing else. Just three items. But they were to they were to perfection because you know you don't need all the different ingredients for all. You just need the ingredients to make it the best lobster roll, the best crab cake, and the best um salmon. salmon. Yeah. yeah. There are some interesting food trucks out there. I um I hit up the History Channel because I remember they did have a food truck episode. I was looking up food trucks and the day in the life of a food truck is you go to the supplier in the morning, get your supplies, food truck it up, leave. And that's every day, getting the fresh ingredients. Yeah. Now, there's some crazy food trucks out there. There is a food truck double-decker bus, which the top floor is seating and the downstairs has a brick oven that's been built into this bus. And it can still drive. And it can still drive. That blows my mind. That's crazy. Now, we live on a college campus, so most of the food trucks we see are actually stagnant. They don't move. No. Yeah, they sit. They sit. But I heard, I I wish I did go in and confirm it, but I heard that even though they are there, they have to be able to move within a moment's notice. You can't just have a broken down truck. If you come during the off season, they're actually 
they're gone. They are gone. They migrate. It's like uh, they have migration. Yeah, they do have to leave. They cannot stay yeah. in the same spot forever. Some of the trucks do look pretty broken. It looks like they just sit there, right? Yeah, some of them. Do you have your fancy food trucks that are like really well kept? And then you got your food trucks that you're surprised that... World War II era buses, like yeah. that type of, yeah, that are all like painted with a million coats of paint over and over again. And like they're chipping off and you see yep. like the different colors underneath. Exactly. But to be honest, I really enjoy food trucks. Oh, I do too. They are some of the best food I've had for the best cost. The cost to taste ratio, I think food trucks take it home. I agree. I agree. The costs are pretty competitive to going to a sit-down place. Um, what I've found, you say there's a lot of convenience to it. Some of these food trucks around where we are are super popular, and you might have to wait 15 minutes. Now, that's not too right. bad compared to going like to a food court where you might wait, wait at least 15 minutes. Yeah. But the food quality to cost ratio is, is definitely great. Exactly, because it's more centralized in a sense. But yeah, I know like I have some food trucks that I go to. It's like if I don't want to spend a lot of money on a meal at like Chipotle or some or Honey Grow or some place like that, I know, look, I can hit this food place. I can get like the best burger I know for four bucks and eat it and be incredibly satisfied with my day. Or like I've been trying to my goal is on campus to hit most of the food trucks, almost all the food trucks. Same, this year. same with me. I mean, some of them. I don't have too much interest in like the vegan food truck that has four items, but I mean, their four items are probably, probably good four items. Right? Yeah. They wouldn't have 12 bad items. They'd have, if they only have eight, you hope those eight are really good. Mm -hmm. But like, if I want a burger, I know where to go. If I want a burrito, I know where to go. Or if I want like a nice wrap, I know where to go. It's like, I have my places. Oh yeah. And you know, college kids were living on a budget. Food trucks are the way to go. So, yeah. What's your favorite, like, food truck to hit? I love Mexican food. And Mexican food coming out of a truck, because Mexican food is generally a simple food. And if they make it ahead of time in bulk, it's just so good when it's cooking and sitting for a while. And it just gets so good. So, I obviously have a favorite around here. Um, actually, a friend recently, just last week, told me they were helping uh, a startup for a food truck. And like you said, it's much less expensive than a restaurant. So anyone can really contribute and say, okay, well, it's not a huge investment. So it's not as big of a risk as going into a restaurant, say, where you have to get real estate and all that. To get a truck is much more simple. Yet there is that aspect of getting um, the license to park, especially in, in the city of Philadelphia. It's, it's pretty difficult to get all the necessary paperwork to park your food truck in certain areas. And I know my friend said his friend, the only reason they haven't started yet is because they're waiting to get our university's approval to have their truck on campus. And it's the same thing for out in the suburbs, like uh, where I come from, the, they have street fairs and they still need paperwork to move those trucks in there because it's essentially, they treat them like restaurants because they're just as quality. Yeah, they do need licenses and registrations. But what's interesting is there's such a difference between a suburban food truck and a city food truck. A city food truck, they may sit in the same spot, they may leave and come, but they're always got their turf. Oh yeah, yeah, but most definitely. Suburb food trucks, those are more of the, hey, we're gonna be here today, or hey, we're going to this corporate center today. Limited, like hitting, yeah. Hitting this corporate center or going to like this area, and that's more of like the hunt, hunting the good food. Like, where's the good food at? Oh yeah. Because I know. 
food trucks are really popular at like corporate centers or for events, as you said, mm-hmm. like a fair fairgrounds or things. And a lot of restaurants, they actually have food carts specifically for that, that, Hey, there's an event. Let's, you want us to cater to the event. How about we cater to the event in a food truck? Easy. They bring their whole entire operation to them rather than just bringing the food. And what's interesting is at least around us, I don't know about some of the halal food trucks, but food trucks are kind of their own thing. They're not franchised out. It's, as I said, entrepreneur chefs creating their startup, creating their job, creating their passion and showing it to people all over. And I think a lot of the time, like you said, it's a start to go into the restaurant business. A lot of people think think maybe it's just as profitable in the truck. So maybe that's just what they go toward. I mean, there's a couple trucks around us that I know, yeah, they could be a restaurant. That's how popular the truck is, but I wonder why they haven't. It's because, I don't know. The real estate, you still have a truck and it's like buying the land in Philadelphia to have a restaurant and rent it out. It's like demanding in a sense. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I'm a big fan of food trucks. I eat at food trucks at least once or twice a week. I got my breakfast at a food truck today. It was delicious. Ah, see... Last semester, I had a place that I got breakfast, but now they don't open till like noon. You know, I noticed that this year too. The other day I was running to the train. I mean, it's 6 a.m. in the morning. I'm up really early. Uh, No food truck was open at 6. I thought at least one or at least like a food hut on a corner would be open, but nothing was open. Are you talking 6 a.m.? Yeah. Oh, food truck. The earliest I've seen a food truck open is like nine i swore at least they served coffee at like 6 a.m there was like one truck where the people probably live in the truck (laughs) yeah um the one food truck though that i used to go to they sold the best breakfast burrito the past two weeks i've been trying to go there but they don't open up till like noon and they have a breakfast menu why would you have a breakfast menu if you open at noon, sorry, I have a lot of frustration about this. I've been yeah. ranting a lot about this. <laughs> Must have been a pretty good breakfast. If you're... <laughs> I've been looking. For, I haven't had it all summer. I've been looking forward to coming back and getting it. There's hash browns in there. It's, oh, it's so well, good. just you saying that. Looking forward to coming back for that truck. That's something special. It's something special, and you think they could drive away, but they still stay in this area. They migrate like birds. <laughs> it's a flock of food trucks. It's a flock of food trucks. So a collection of food trucks is called a flock because essentially they're birds who migrate. They move south, mostly to warmer weather. But, I mean, the ones on campus here, they're only open during the week because they assume no students on the weekend. There's no reason to have that operating operating charge, which is another reason why food trucks are better than restaurants, in a sense, for starting out. Say, oh, I'm not going to be open this day. You don't have to pay the rent for that day. It's, you just have it. You just have what you have. You have what you have. Yeah. So food trucks. The beauty of the American food space. So, Matt. It's a beautiful thing. What do you have for me this week? Well, I wanted to talk about something that just came out the other day. Um, I wanted to talk about, well, some might call it the iPhone X. Some might call it the iPhone 10. Now, I know this is a little bit of a, like a, maybe a frustrating topic for some. Like, I don't want to hear about Apple supremacy and such. But this is really, there was so much hype for this device coming out compared to any other product on the market, which is why we should cover it and cover what technology is embedded in it because some of the technology now in this phone that's coming to the markets really soon has a lot of the technology that we've talked about on this show. So let's talk about it. Um, The iPhone X, it's not called the X, it's called the 10. 
it's a Roman numeral. It's a, a 10th anniversary iPhone, and it's actually to commemorate um, the 10th anniversary of the iPhone in general. So that's why they skipped right from 7 to 10. There is an 8 also, though. There is an 8, but it's the 7 with a newer processor. Yes. So, And there's a lot the sa- that's the same internally, but there's a lot that's different too. But it's, it's kind of in a different thing. And it's weird how the psych- psychological impact on the public has, has reacted to this device because there was a lot of expectations and Apple needs to provide unless, if, unless humans will be upset because they're such a powerful company. Well, I'd like to start us off. Uh, do you th- just, yes or no, do you like what you've seen for the iPhone X so far? I do, but I'm not surprised with anything. I also am, I am surprised, but I'm kind of underwhelmed at the same point. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Essentially, this iPhone was supposed to have, well, typically a thing that Apple does is we can see in all the other technology brands and the manufacturers are manufacturing technologies with all this, like there's OLED technology, biometric scanning, fingerprint sensing, um, super um, VR and such. Now, we know Apple kind of falls behind sometimes, like all the Samsung branded products have all of these features in their phones let's say even a year ahead of time whereas the iphone the iphone wasn't waterproof for the longest time and the galaxy some earlier galaxy phones were definitely waterproof right so apple typically is late to the game but when they come to the game they do it really well it's like they're perfecting it which is a great business model to have to perfect the technology don't release it when it's half done now i wouldn't call like samsung like oh they have cheap features in their phones no they do it really well too they're just a little bit quicker which is a respectable thing and which is why there's such a polar balance within the technology industry for which you choose so let me go over the basics of what this phone has um it's an all glass design which is completely new for the iphone it used to be like the uh um aluminum body and the biggest reason for this uh material change is for the um wireless charging which again is another thing that's late you know, I mean, you might call it late or you might just call it appropriately timed for coming to the market. You got the Qi pads. You get the Qi pads. And we talked about Qi wireless charging, right? Yeah. And we said it's going to be coming more to the public soon. This is like the climax of all of my tech specials, you know, yeah. <laughs> which is really funny because it's finally here in 2017. I thought it would take, um, I think even in the previous episodes, I predicted 2018 or 2020 at latest for all these technologies, but no, they're, they're going to be in this device within months from now. So you're looking at an all-glass design with a 5.8-inch Super Retina display, and this display is called Super just because it's OLED. Also, another thing that's late, the OLED, the organic light-emitting diodes, um, it's organic because when the screen needs to be black, the LEDs are completely off. It's not a simulated black. It's just a completely off. So it saves battery. Blacks are much more deep in contrast. Um, it's basically the standard for high-definition displays right now. All of the Samsung phones have it. TVs have it. Computer screens have it. Now Apple finally has it in a phone. And it's a beautiful screen. It's going to be very impressive. I can't wait to see it on the iPhone 10 in the store. I'm going to go check it out just to see how far we've come. Absolutely. So it has the A11 Bionic chip, which you said it has the new chip, which is probably the the one of the biggest differences between the other iPhones because the software's basically the same 
There's a couple things I'll mention, but it has a bionic chip with the neural engine. Um, so part of that neural engine is using the new face ID, which is biometric scanning, which is something I talked about. Yeah. Do you remember all, that? It's all coming together. Um, did you find out why it's called a neural engine? A neural engine, because essentially it's going to work like, like a brain. It's smart enough to recognize things as they change. So with this facial recognition, um, the facial recognition is so smart it can, it can adapt to changes of the face, facial hair, um, wrinkles, aging, um, weather, if there's water on your face and such. It's smart enough to adapt. I mean, yeah, that's all algorithm-based. It's not like it's um, artificial intelligence by itself, but it's definitely a very smart algorithm set to determine things. So let's talk about the face ID a little bit more. So Apple has introduced facial recognition, which it calls face ID. Um, they didn't pack a fingerprint sensor into this. They wanted to stick it under the glass, apparently, but they didn't get that developed in time. So they say. I'm thinking they were probably working on, on this most of the time because there's a dedicated bar at the top of the phone, which has a, a ton of sensors in it. I was personally disappointed they got rid of the fingerprint sensor. I like the fingerprint sensor a lot. But we'll go into after you finish the details. Okay, so... That, that sensor at the top has something called a true depth camera system um, hidden in the notch at the top of the display. So if you look at the phone, it'll illuminate your face ready for an infrared camera to identify that biometric scan. Uh, it even works in the dark. Um, using the A11 bionic chip, a neural engine processes the image in real time and is built in specifically for mathematically mapping the shape and contours of your face, which is pretty cool. That's pretty impressive. Some high tech stuff, right? Yeah. Completely realistic. Now, a lot of our consumers are going to have that technology in the palm of their hand. So Apple claims it's not confused by hairstyles um, or whether you're wearing a hat or even a scarf. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to remove a scarf, but it's going to be able to tell it to you. It's pretty good. Now, there's some interesting questions reading about it online because obviously the hype around the uh, big release event was pretty cool. And there's some funny comments like, what if your girlfriend wants to sneak into your phone or boyfriend wants to sneak into your phone while you're sleeping? You know what? It won't work with your eyes closed. So unless if you're sleeping with your eyes open, no one's going to be able to get into it. What if you have an identical twin? Yeah, it's going to work. This yeah. isn't iris scanning like I talked about. It's not that specific. It's just facial recognition where it's mapped the facial contours of your face. So, you know, it could be tricked. But the chance of someone other than you unlocking your phone with Touch ID is 1 in 50,000. So that's not a that doesn't seem to confident with uh, security but for face ID it's one in a million I, f I feel like after a while though it's like how many people come in contact with your phone a is, lot is it one in 50,000 well yeah it's a good point that means there's a point zero zero five percent right zero zero tenths hundredths Thousands. Yeah, 0.005% chance that someone with their thumb is enough to open up my phone. It's That's super slim. It's super slim. It's also like, does 50,000 people touch my phone? Or is the one guy who's going to take my phone just happen so to So that, that alone is, is just decreases the chance because the amount of people you're going to come in contact yeah. with who are going to try to get into it. That's a very good point. So the security, essentially, is it more secure? Well, theoretically, yes, but realistically, no. I mean, they're just as secure. I mean, it's the same. I'm, I'm curious to see it. There's obviously going to be some reviews as soon as the product comes out. Right. 
So there's a new home button-ish and type gestures for the phone because there's no physical button. This is something such as the uh, Samsung phones. It's all like a software button. It's built into the screen. Um, obviously, there's buttons on the side like a power and volume buttons. But now there's some gestures that are going to probably frustrate a lot of people. I'm predicting it now. There's no home button to double click. You can't screenshot with the power button and the lock button anymore. So a lot of these features are going to be, I don't want to say copied from Android phones, but, you know, they're going to have to to utilize the new features. You know, I personally think they've changed the phone so much from the core iPhone that calling it the iPhone 10 is almost taking away from it. I almost feel like it would have been better if, you know how the Samsung has their Galaxy and then their Galaxy Note? It's like maybe Apple should have changed... Like a new tangent of the iPhone tangents. line? It's like the iPhone, it's 10-year anniversary. Now we're coming out with a new iPhone, like a a phone that is not... I have a name, the iPod. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or just something that's not iPhone 10 because when you close your eyes and you think iPhone, you got your screen, you got your bar at the top with your speaker and your camera, and then on the bottom you have a home button. iPhone 10 is something completely alien Yeah, in it's, regards. It's the biggest change since, well, you know what? It's the biggest change in iPhone completely because there's no button, there's a different screen, it's a full screen, there's no chins on it, no bezels, the sensors are completely different, different cameras, glass like, design. I think the only the biggest difference was going from like the five to the six where they changed from a box design to a more curved design. Yeah. Or I think the one was also a curved design. Mm-hmm. And, then and then they, they kind of boxed box it up it. a little bit. Yeah. To the four. Yeah. And now, now you're edge to edge. That's, that's one of the biggest shifts that we've seen. So they obviously jumped the gun from iPhone 9 to iPhone 10. Which is funny. I saw a joke. It's, what's with people skipping 9? Windows went from Windows 8 to Windows 10. That's a great point. Apple went from iPhone 8 to I think iPhone 10. 9 is an unlucky number in the digital world. I think so as well. But also, I don't know why they did the iPhone 10 and the iPhone 8. Because if they truly were working on some things, but they wanted to get it out in time, if you're releasing it, one phone already why re- release the 10th one just for the anniversary well you know and i was wondering that too why were they rushing this why there were so many leaks and they were like oh we're trying to get touch id to work through the glass and that kind of it gave me anxiety a little bit reading articles about it i'm just like a company shouldn't re- they should perfect it and then get it out we don't need a new device every year and one of the biggest reasons to answer your question i think it has to do with money because the new iphone 10 starts at a thousand dollars which you know, everyone's like, oh, it's $1,000. You know what? That's not, that's only like $150 more than what I paid for my phone, you know? Yeah. And that's not, not far off. The new G- Galaxy Note is also right at $1,000. And obviously it goes upwards from there, like any device with any upgrades. But the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus are going to be a little bit cheaper. So, and it has some similar features like the glass wireless charging. I saw the iPhone 8. I saw it priced at, the iPhone 8 Plus was priced at, I think, $799? Or eight ninety nine. It's probably eight ninety nine. I think it was eight ninety nine, yeah. and the regular was seven ninety nine. Okay, yeah. Which because then I saw that the seven dropped to I think. I think the um the lar- the seven plus dropped to six fifty nine. I think it was six fifty nine, and the um the seven dropped to five fifty nine. I think. 
but that's how it goes. Like I broke my phone, so I need to get a new phone. I didn't get the newest model. I got, I got an iPhone SE because I mean, it did everything. All I, I need, love the SE. I love fact. the SE. Yeah. It's a, it's a really solid phone. I recommend it. It's the body of a five with the internals of a six. And the thing is, I don't need a faster processor in my phone. I do not need a camera with, I think, like one more stop, like one more F-stop. I don't need, wait, what came out on the six that I don't need? Oh, a slightly bigger screen? I mean, that's nice. And a little it's better not, camera, uh, but. It's, uh. it's not $100 nicer for essentially the same product. Sometimes I wish I had the SE. The only reason I don't have it is because it doesn't have the water resistance that my 7 has. That's the only reason I have the 7, really. Well, that's the only reason I'd upgrade to a 7, because of the water resistance, because that's something that we haven't had in forever until the 7. But, I mean, with all Apple products, it's the price tag that always kind of stops people. And you feel outdated when you don't have the latest device. It's like a crazy loop that they have. I know, and now that they've gone to the 10... I I think like every two years, uh, yeah, every two years I've upgraded my phone. But now in two years, what's that going to be? You're going to be three phones newer down the line. Exactly. And it's like, is that price also going to be a thousand? Or are they going to keep on ranking up and up and up? I feel like there's going to be a point where it might just cut off. Who knows the price? Um, I just want to say, uh, with the Qi charging, they also have a new product. They're calling it the Air Power Mat. That's going to be able to charge your um, Apple Watch, AirPod earbuds, wireless earbuds, and your iPhone on this Qi Pad. So it's going to be their expensive Qi Pad. I think it'll work with third-party brand Qi Pads. Oh, it would be such a pain if nice. it didn't. Because I already have one, you know, that I could use if I ever get this phone. Um, now, so I saw the greatest joke. I'll just this is one of the last things I'll end on. Um, why didn't they call it Apple Juice instead <laughs> of the Air Power? Apple Juice would have been a great name. That would have been pretty funny. And then my final point, um, the new iOS 11 is going to be uh, released on these phones. And uh, get ready for the new iOS. If you're running uh, an iPhone device or iPad, uh, the iOS 11 is coming uh, this coming Tuesday, uh, September 19th. So the day maybe this releases, uh, you can go out that evening. And I wouldn't do it right away. Maybe wait a couple of days just to see it's a, a stable and not, not stand really, of it. Uh, go out as in like go on your computer. Yeah, don't go to a store or anything. Yeah, just update on your phone. <laughs> go to a food truck. Hi. Uh, uh, I have to look up if that will run on my phone because I'm technically in the sixth generation is where my phone lies. Let me see that. Um. It's something we'll look up. We'll look yeah. it up. I'm sure you guys will look it up as well. Uh, side note, I'm actually impressed with the new watch. Still not perfectly I went, impressed. Yeah. I, I advocate if you're going to get uh, a phone, I mean, no, a watch, a digital watch that is sm a smart watch, if it doesn't have more than 24 hours of battery life, it's not worth it. Oh, it's worthless. Then you have to charge it every day. But keep in mind, this new Apple Watch is going to replace phones for many people. I'm thinking an older crowd of people who are like, ah, I'm not used to a phone. Well, I can just wear this and then it'll be on me because they're going to have cellular chips in the phone, in the watch so it can serve as a phone on its own without even having your phone with you. Yeah. I think that's a pretty cool thing. It kind of gives me comfort to know like, oh, I don't even have to have a phone. I can have a waterproof small device on my body 
and talk can, to it on your wrist, and just like do Star all the Trek. basic yeah. features. How how sometimes I feel our phones should be used just as basic call, text, email notifications, maybe weather, um, fitness tracking, but but no ridiculous social media and, and games and stuff. Not that that's ridiculous, but sometimes it's unnecessary. Right. But, I mean, that could all be a discussion for another time. Oh, yeah. But for now, we're going to end it here. Leave you guys on a little cliff note of smartwatches, our favorite device to talk about. Oh, yeah. But, hey, I mean, that was another two topics for you guys. Let's um, go to a food truck. Yeah, let's go hit a food truck. Uh, I had a food truck for lunch, but I'd, I'd go for another one. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you guys next week on another two topics. Peace. See ya. <laughs> this was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg and produced by Thomas Lance. Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly. For general inquiries or feedback, contact us at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and join us next week for another Two Topics.